Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Martin Weaver and Andrew Alvis from Grinders Coffee Bar coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week, making her triumphant return after a six-week absence, local beverage consultant Linda Salinas. Welcome back to the show. How are you? You know, I'm just living my best life. I mean, I don't know what took you so long to invite me to this show. You're a busy lady. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> you had to do all the cocktails for Butcher's Ball. I did. I, actually, I did not do this. Do that by myself. I had really, really great partners and great development um, with Toasted Coconut, which, as you all know, I'm a fan of that 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 group. Uh, and then uh, it's my first time uh, doing some work with Monkey's Tail, which is a little uh, kind of divey cocktail bar um, up. Up, you know, yeah, in North Houston, yeah, North Houston, yeah. Calicate and Fulton. So, a little shout out to those guys; they do a really good job. Um, and Rosewater, and Rosewater, my goodness, the best, the best cocktail bar south of the museum district. Yes, you're. I mean, absolutely. I fell in love with those uh, those very very talented ladies. Um, they're they're great people. Like, you know. all right. Well, let us let us dive right into the news of the week. News of the week. Topic number one, El Real has closed. This is Brian Caswell's Tex-Mex restaurant. It opened in 2011. Uh, Brian and his then business partner, Bill Floyd, teamed up with Rob Walsh, formerly of the Houston Press in Houstonia, now a cookbook author, to do kind of classic Tex-Mex. I mean, I... There's 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 a couple different angles to the story. I know we want to get into it. Did you were you an El Real fan? Uh, I mean, you and I have had several great meals there. Like we've but, yes, we were we were fans of the Montrose Monday promotion, which for many years was fifty percent off your food bill on Mondays, and then a couple of years back morphed into thirty percent off. Uh, and we love I I love Tex Mex, and I love Tex Mex at a discount. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, it had become kind of, uh, um, it had become a kind of a, a Monday, a Monday spot, um, obviously because of the discount, you know, but you know, you see a lot of different people in the dining room and, um, and I mean, we used to pop in there, but I mean, there's just so, so much more Tex-Mex. There's so much more restaurants. There's so much more diversity within, I think the neighborhood that, um, I mean, eventually with, with such a large space, like, you know, I mean, even, you know. Yeah, it's a lot to keep a 9,000 square foot, 300 seat restaurant going. I mean, think about this. When when El Real opened, you know, that's before Underbelly, uh, Blacksmith, all that opened across the street. Yeah. You know, everything on Uchi wasn't open yet. You know, Shake Shack. Right, the you the know. burger joint was still a, a crappy Chinese restaurant. Yeah, there's so, now there's like sweet green and you mm. know and like it's just like everyone is jumping on that like I'm in Montrose, you know. Everybody um, wants to be in Montrose. Yeah, and I mean and the thing is is that you know um I mean even the iconic underbelly 
went from 200 seats or whatever or you know they're they're pushing they're pushing a really really big dining room and you know what they did they went ahead and got into a smaller space so that they could like do their craft and do their you know do that program at UB Preserve like just right down the road and then that you know now they have right in 80 seats yeah and, and Georgia James is now the big steakhouse with two right yeah so, so I mean that's one of those things it's 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 a it's kind of a time capsule of a bygone era in a way uh, because both El Real and Reef are, you know, really big restaurants, big dining rooms, high volume. Chefs don't really open those kind of restaurants anymore. I mean, other outside of a steakhouse. Well, yeah, outside of a, outside of a steakhouse, you just don't see kind of chef fueled concepts that seat 150 people. Right. No, I mean, Nancy's hustle, no seats, you know, Nobies Indigo. Right. Yeah, no, Indigo those are is like, 13. Yeah, it's like little tiny baby, you know, baby things and yeah. a little bit more manicured, you know. Right, a little more personal, a little more manageable. I mean, are we going to talk about the fact that their employees are at Reef today when we're like doing yeah, this as podcast? Yeah, as we're broadcasting on Monday afternoon or we're recording on Monday afternoon, uh, I was just sent pictures from a Culture Map reader, uh, people protesting outside of uh, Reef claiming that they are former El Real employees who have not been paid. Uh, Eater Houston documented that in an article about El Real closing. Uh, you know, I haven't spoken to Brian about that. I don't know what well, the status is. Well, F- well, Phaedra wrote an article saying that they were closing. You know, obviously they went ahead and had and did an interview with someone and let let the press know that they were closing down, but I guess they didn't tell their staff. No, they told their staff. Brian told me that he sent out a text message to all of the employees on Sunday night to tell them that the restaurant had closed. And they didn't get paid. They have not got, as of, as of as when of, we are recording yeah. this on Monday afternoon, there are people claiming they have not been paid yet. I that certainly like, hope. Yeah, that I, seems I really... certainly hope that, that Brian, that, that if those allegations are true, that those people do get paid. But but and I think knowing Brian a little bit, I I think he will make that right. I mean, people. there has to be something else going on. I don't think it's a. I I mean, it's probably not. It's probably not a Brian thing. It has to be something much much bigger than that. Because look, okay, you you tell your staff, hey, on Sunday, hey guys, we're closing down. Thank you first. Blah 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 blah. And then on Monday, like Monday, like not even 24 hours, they're like protesting. That's just, there's something else going on, uh, you know. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to play conspiracy theory guy and, and speculate about that, but. I don't know. I think it's just something we should keep an eye out. Yeah. No, you know. it, you know, I, Brian, you know. I'm not saying Brian, anything Brian about wants to, Brian's Brian character. wants to focus on Reef. That's part of the motivation for closing down El Real. I don't think he's going to engage in any behavior that would well, I mean, detract from Reef's reputation because well, that's where he's putting all of his focus. Well, I mean, but Brian isn't by himself either. Like, like that in that article, there's two other people that have shares in that. So it's not, this isn't just well, a no, Brian they're thing. not, I mean, no, this is Bill like, Floyd's not involved with, with El Real anymore. I, and hasn't been for a while. And I don't know if you read the article. But there's... I mean, you know, I, I got the same press release Phaedra did. Okay. 
So, but I mean that what I'm saying that there's other partners, you know, in 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 this in this you know in this mix. But, anyways, let's move along to the next um, um, topic. All right, topic number two. El Real is not the only closing this week. Decatur Bar and Pop Up Factory, a sister concept from Axelrad owner Adam Brackman will also close uh, the day that this podcast is released, Halloween, Thursday, October 31st. It, it, it was an interesting idea, right? Adam wanted to do, you know, they've always had a food component at Axelrad in the sense that they've always had either food trucks or chef pop-ups. And so they thought, oh, well, we'll do a, we'll, we'll do a bar, but we'll build the chef pop-ups into the, into the DNA of the place and we'll have a rotating cast of resident chefs who will serve, you know, they'll do a bar menu, they'll do dinner. Um, I don't, I don't think it's a big secret. It never really caught on. Yeah. It, it was confusing to people, I think. Uh, and that's not really a reflection of Evelyn Garcia, who had been the resident chef because her food actually was, was good. Her food's very excellent. Uh, and then, you know, Victoria with Cochinita. Yeah. Cochinita Co. And then um, there's another dude that has a catering company that, you know, does their Taco Tuesday. There's a lot of really like. Right. Um, so Evelyn and Victoria are both moving on to Politan Row. Yeah. And they'll have, they'll each have stands in the, in the food hall. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I just think that it, it just goes to show that um, great ideas. Um Especially in Houston, they, you, I mean, ultimately, ideas are just ideas. Uh, if you don't have the staff, you know, and especially right now, the market's flooded with new jobs, new management, you know, components, you know, um, and and every neighborhood, every neighborhood is just getting bombarded with like high rent, real estate. You know, there's multiple concepts everywhere. And yeah. You've got Adam, to- Adam talked about that, that it's hard to stand out if you, if you, if you don't kind of come firing out of the gate and, and Decatur really didn't, that it's hard to get people's attention. Oh yeah, absolutely. But there's a lot going on in that neighborhood. I mean, if you, you know, Sawyer Yards is, is booming. There's two new breweries that are going to open over there before the end of the year. There's some new, like, golf bar that just opened up like at the other end of where Pachin is Ford Fry's building a restaurant next to B&B Butchers. I mean, there's a lot going on. Yeah. I mean, Gus's and, you know, and BB lemon, which is one of my favorites. Um, right. I mean, Julep's still high. Julep's still doing well. Yeah, Julep's still doing great. You know? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just a lot of, there's just a lot of stuff and you know, you're tucked into the back. You just, you really have to endear yourself to the, to the neighborhood. I mean, do you, do you have any, theories about what you would like to see replace Decatur Bar. It's, I would it's really the old li- beaver space. I would really I really wish that they just would have done a baby axle rod. Like with you, hammocks and a great beer selection just, and like, you know, just do a baby axle rod. Do some pizzas. Stop playing around. You know, do your awesome stuff that you do. Try to reinvent shit. Like, come on, you know? Like I don't know, but um, we'll see what happens with them. I mean, um, we'll just we'll see what 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 happens for that neighborhood, you know. Yeah, and they're gonna have a really uh, a really kind of fun going away party tonight. If, if people don't have 
Halloween plans or if they want to work that into their whatever else they're doing tonight. They're, uh, you know, $5 cocktails and just blowing out the bar and they'll have some food specials and it'll be, it'll be a a bittersweet, uh, farewell. Yeah. I mean, it's just food and drinks. It's just food. It's just drinks. It's just drinks. All right. Uh, All right. All right. Topic number three. Tassos Katsunis, friend of the pod of Breadman Baking Company, is getting in the restaurant business. He has partnered up with Chico Ramirez, also a friend of the pod, who uh, one of the founders of Field and Tides, and then the the couple that owns Shaynu in Shaynu uh, in Umble, the legendary the legendary French restaurant. They are. I had it. Uh, Scott and Stacy Simonson to do a new concept called White Elm Cafe Bakery out at uh, Memorial in Kirkwood out in West Houston. So essentially bread and pastries by the bread man, savory menu by Chef Stacy of what is kind of a an iconic French restaurant, even if it's up in Humboldt, but it's been around for 35 years. And then Chico's always been like good at operations. He's uh, he's going to kind of run the show. Who is Chico Ramirez? Okay. What do you think? I don't want to hear anything until you get your permits. I'm. They're in permitting. Okay. They're. I. Like, it's a, this is so. You this do this is, to I me. Know. You do this to me all the time. You do this to ever all all of us. All of us. I'm talking about the collective we that is out in the world, and you like to say they're about to open in a four months, and it turns out to be nine or okay. a year, or they don't open, or they don't have any money, or or some sort of shenanigans happen, and somebody dropped off, or somebody went to rehab, or, you know, or there was a divorce, or someone has a crazy ex-wife that's trying to, you know, put them to litigation. I don't want to hear anything until I see the, okay. the sign, the, the well, there's permits, a there's okay? a there's a lease, okay. right? So I, okay, so they're like committed to the space. Okay, all it's right. a second generation space, so it shouldn't require all right too much work to transform. You're saying you're telling me that it's going to be around January. That that's what they told okay. me. Okay, you you make it sound like I put a gun to people's head and make them talk to me no, about no, the no, restaurants. No, 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 no. You just like open. to talk about stuff that isn't even here. I want to talk about stuff that's here and now, like this 100 list that we're about to talk about. <laughs> you're you're already ready to move on. Let's move on. All right, you want to talk about you want to talk about Allison Cook's list of Houston's top 100 restaurants. What do yes. you you got a shout out from Allison? She I uh, did not uh, is not in the ranked top 30 section of the list, but in the the alphabetical tied for 31st. So congratulations on being tied for the 31st best 31st best restaurant in Houston. Thank you. Uh. What do you want to say about all? What do you What do you think about Allison's list? Because I wrote a whole long column, basically playing compare and contrast with my top one hundred list. So I've kind of said my piece. I mean, I just you're think, friends with her, so you may want to tread lightly. Here. I mean, look, it's it's not about that. I mean, honestly, I just think that you guys are very different in you know, <laughs> different in style and flavors. Um, your your list. Had a where was real meat heavy. Yeah, um, hers pulls a little bit more, 
you know, it, a couple of different dynamics, you know, and I, and I really like I really like both those lists. Um, I love the fact that she chose Cata Rabata as number one because that restaurant is a champion. And I talked to you about this, you know. Right. I had Cata Rabata eighth, so it's yeah, not yeah, like yeah. I disrespected so, Cata Rabata. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, it's just different. And and you know what's funny is is that. You and I talked. You and I talked a little bit about this yesterday. Um, and Cotta Rabata, I think, is just an overall experience for anyone. Um, it, it's a great, outstanding restaurant. And I mean, I talked to you, and I was like, "Have you? But you have you had the ramen? The ramen is amazing." And you're like, "Oh, I didn't even know they had that kind no. of ramen." You know, right? No, right? I have had. I have had the. Tenkatsu ramen that they sell at lunch. Yeah. It is a very satisfying bowl of soup. Yeah. You said spicy. you were a fan of the... Spicy soy ramen. Which, which I have is, not tried. Which is... it. You can DM me about how good this thing is. Okay? Like, You're, add Kaylina you, HTX, please. Will you, will you Venmo people a refund if they don't like it? Well, we'll just have a talk about that, you know? Okay. Um, I'm just trying to figure out if you're going to put your money where your mouth is. I mean, I don't know. Look... I'll go toe to toe with you about this 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 soup, you know this soup debacle. But that's what we're here talking about. We're talking about this list, right? Um, so, all right. So, if you're looking, right? So, yes, my list is probably a little meatier. I have a couple extra steakhouses, and then you have that garbage uh, Chinese place. You're still at the mad end. about. I'm you're still, still mad, mad about three six nine. You're gonna have to get over. You're gonna have to get over that one of these days. I mean, El, did did El, was El Real on there? No, El Real was not on my okay. list. Super Rica was on my list. Okay, Papacitos was on my list. Okay, and okay. and Ninfas was on my list. I think all of those are really great. Okay, by the way. anyways, all right. Let's neither here nor So I think I, so. I think the other big change, the other big difference is she has BCN three and Tony's five. Yeah, right. Two like formal fine dining restaurants in the top five. It's just not the way I like to eat. Yeah. Right? I I would, if you gave me a choice of, you know, Riel, Nancy Sussel, UB Preserve, or BCN, or... Which are all on her list. They're right, which are all on ranked. her list. They're just not ranked quite as highly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have Riel 1. Obviously, she has Riel 27, which, like, in Houston is a lucky number because it's Jose Altuve's jersey, but that's that's neither here nor there. Neither here nor there. But, you know, it's, it's a question of... What do you value? Right. Well, yeah. And I, and I think, and I think we've talked about this before. And I think that, I mean, I come from fine dining and I come from fine dining. That was my, that's my, that's my OG background is I really enjoy, I really enjoy service. You know, I enjoy service and really, and like the elo- eloquent, like high end service, you know, service. And I think that, um, and I can't speak for Allison uh, by any means, but I think that those those service components um, in those restaurants um, with like more delicate touches in service, I think that that's what really I think that's what really puts those that that experience that restaurant experience. Yeah, I, think, I mean, I, I think Latab does that really well. There's a there's a sincerity about what they do and a theatricality and yeah. kind of the all the tableside touches that. Uh, Valerio Lombardozzi adds to to the presentation that I really appreciate. I mean, I I think Austin Waiter is a talented cook in the kitchen, and I think he's taking Tony's in some interesting directions. 
but that room just feels dated to me and stuffy and I just don't it's just it's not a place that I you know someone else is going to have to suggest that and even then it's like you know are you sure (laughs) are you sure you want to go there Um, whereas I had a spectacular meal at BCN with Mary Clarkson and and a whole group of our friends back in March and you know they they always have wonderful service they always have great hospitality um the food is good i i don't know that it's rooted particularly in houston i kind of feel like that restaurant could be anywhere but it but it is outstanding i mean i think i had it 20 so you know 10,000 plus restaurants in houston to say this is the the 20th best doesn't doesn't feel like disrespect to me but you know my list is shaped by the excitement that I personally feel about dining there. And I just don't feel as excited about, you know, I got to get dressed up and put on a sport coat and yeah, I mean, you know, sit in and I'm in for three hours and 150 or $200 a person. It's like, can we just, can we just go spend $25 each at Himalaya and have our minds blown with flavor? Like, can we just, can we just do that instead? I mean, I just don't, I'm, I, I I see and I understand and I get it, but I think that just I, th- I think that experience uh, experience in in dining room um, just goes goes a long way, and I think that that's more I think that that's pulled more on her side, you know. Oh, a hundred percent, yeah, and yeah. I and I think some of that's a you know some of it's just we're different people with different tastes. Some of it's generational, yeah, right. She's part of my mother's generation, and and you know, I mean, mom was pained that. There wasn't more French on my list that there was that Costa Brava Bistro wasn't on my list. It's like, that's okay. Yeah. You know, Allison and I, Allison and I don't have to agree, but I will say, I think she got more of the, like last year she had four French restaurants ranked between 10 and 20. Uh-huh. None of those restaurants are, are, you know, only Latab stayed in the top 30. The other three fell into the alphabetical section tied with Ninfas, right? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not I'm not done beating that dead horse yet. Uh so, you know, I I mean, I I don't think there are there are four outstanding French restaurants like, you know, I I that didn't ring true to me. So, I think I think she got more of the the broader scope right, you know. Tony's 5, I obviously not according to me, you know, Calba in the rank section, like I've never had a good meal there. I, I kind of admire what Nikki Tran is doing and she's great on those Netflix series when she's popped up. But the proof that that restaurant is still finding itself is that it's been open since the beginning of the year and it had a grand opening party three weeks ago. So it, it's like a, to, to basically relaunch, rebrand, new menu, yeah, yeah, new, yeah, yeah. new bar, new look, new whole thing. So, you know, I, I want a restaurant to kind of know what it is before I say that it's like destination worthy. Yeah, and I mean I really like the fact that they dropped, you know, 1751. 1751 is like excellent. Yeah, you know? but but how do you feel about Nobis not being in the ranked section? I don't know. I mean she but she's she's never she's never that's not been her jam. Like, but it is it is your jam. It is my jam, but again, we are all very different people and this is and all this food and all this drink is all very subjective. Yes, I am a fangirl of Nobis. I like that experience, that dining that doesn't have to be hers and it doesn't have to be yours. 
You know? Well, it is mine. I ranked it sixth. Yeah. Well, and I mean, and but I, but I mean, but there's an example of a place that's like let more casual. Yeah. But still has great hospitality. Yeah. Good ex- cares about its environment and its experience. You're never gonna like again. Where am I excited to go? Like, give me my choice of Tonys or or Nobies. Yeah. I'm going to Nobies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and I get that Allison has a different perspective on that and goes the other way on that and and that's okay. But I. I guess what I the point that I was reaching for is I her list didn't make me as mad this year as it has <laughs> in previous years. Yeah. I think because I think she got more of the details right and also because you know it, it's like there's uh there's an old Manic Street Preachers album this is my truth tell me yours. Like her list is her truth, my truth is my list and then people can read them both and decide which one they find more useful and act accordingly. All right. Heard. All right. That does it for the news of the week. We will be right back with our restaurant of the week. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? Linda, for our restaurant of the week, I want to talk about Rosalie Italian Soul. This is Chris Cosentino's new restaurant. It just opened in the C. Baldwin Hotel, formerly the Doubletree downtown. Chris was on the show a couple of months ago talking about his career and opening Rosalie, you we we you know this crew a little bit. You worked with their director of hospitality, Charlie Skipsey, way back in the day at the Hotel Icon. I've been a fan of their pastry chef, Valerie Trasati, across a couple of her stops along the way. Annie Bailist was at Tony's and Valone's for a long time. She's their general manager. And then Sasha Grumman comes from working for Chris in California and also uh, from Laundrette in Austin. It's quite a crew. Can't think of very many restaurants with a female executive chef, general manager, and pastry chef. But that's the team at Rosalie. I don't know. Where do you want to start? What did you think of the design? It's got that, it's, they're doing that whole like inspired by Chris's great grandmother, whose name is Rosalie. Well, there, well, there's... Her 70s era Providence dining room. Well, there's two, actually, there's there's three different areas. It's the lobby bar, yeah. really big, grandiose, spacious, um, like uh, there's the glass, um, the the glass is like floor to ceiling, um, two, two stories. Right. Big, there's a green space kind of beyond it. Beyond it. It's, I mean, I had a happy hour there last week. Excellent. Um, the dining room itself, uh, they have a little kind of, you know, side PDR with this really like lovely gold and golden and, uh, and white lighting, um, little tiny bar, uh, probably six, seven seats, but it's a little lounge area. And then you take a, a, a big sweeping corner and you see a big hearth and oven, uh, which kind of looks like a, uh, Neapolitana style um, uh, pizza oven. Um, and then you swing in and it's this really quaint little dining room. Um, has a lot of little details. Um, I think it's going to be a real, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's really fun. It's I, I fun think it's, and cute. It's, it's very immersive. It achieves yeah. its design goal. And I say that as someone who had a grandmother who also lived in Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah. So not that, you know, not that my grandma Ruth and, and Chris's great grandmother Rosalie 
knew each other or, or lived in quite the same neighborhood or whatever, but it it feels very nostalgic. No, I mean the details are really nice. Like, I mean, I mean details are are everything to me. So, and I mean with every, I mean anyone, but um, we actually I was riding bikes that afternoon. I popped in, obviously. Um, I swung into the bar, ordered a pizza, ten bucks for a big giant margarita, glasses of wine, a couple of beers with some friends. Like, um, right. great, did it's you, a great. Did you eat? Yes, I ate. I had a margarita pizza and I had a vegetable. Uh, you had the Frito Misto. Frito Misto. I'm, I like that Frito Misto. Oh, it's so good. It's crispy. It's salty in a good way. Oh yeah. And then it's got a little whipped ricotta with a little bit of dashes of lemon. They actually do a little like um, uh, a lemon, a lemon crisp, you know, um, asparagus, mushrooms, olives, and something else. Yeah, all of those sound right to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, had a couple of bites. Uh, we were there for opening night. They rolled out a couple of pizzas and a couple of other snacks, meatballs and such. Uh, fantastic ricotta. Um, and then they also make a, a burrata in-house. Yep. So a lot of little little great great details. I mean, that pizza crust is really good. You got mm. you got a margarita. I got a pepperoni when I went. But it's got a nice chew. It's got mm-hmm. good char. Yeah. I think they're, they're really onto something. You didn't try any pastas? No, I was just on my bike. Oh, my goodness. They do, they, they're doing a blue crab manicotti with this like lobster sauce over the top and it's just like sweet and it's got that kind of briny lobster flavor to it. Uh, the pasta was really nice. We, uh, anyway, just a, just a really satisfying or a really satisfying dish. And there's some, there's some bigger items on the dinner options that I have not had a chance to try, but I want to go back with a group of like four to six and just kind of, just kind of take that whole menu down. But, um, Definitely, uh, you know, hotel restaurants in, in this town are always tricky. It, it always seems like they have trouble catching on. Uh, Sochi is kind of the bright spot, where, but it's it's a restaurant in a hotel, not a hotel restaurant. Yeah. So there's well, they, a, they, they have a lot of options, you know, and that's a good thing. I mean, um, you have a lot of options as a diner, you know, and the sort of experience you want. Um, I like the fact that it's very communal. Like they have like these little cubbies in the lobby bar. Um, they have a really nice, uh, they have a really actually a beautiful coffee, coffee bar, coffee bar set up for the, for the building. And you can kind of swing in from, I think it's, uh, Milam, no Smith. You can walk, yeah. you can walk from Smith, from Smith, uh, Smith street. I yeah, mean, Smith and Dallas. Yeah. Smith and Dallas. So, I mean, I think, you know, they're firing it all, you know, you can get a lot of yeah, sort strong of experience. Start. I, yeah. I also had. I had to get a cannoli. Uh, they were, you know, they're they're sort of longer and thinner than what a tradi- what I would think of as a traditional cannoli shape. But you know that um, that savory, you know, that kind of sweet ricotta filling with a little bit of uh, candied orange, a really delicate pastry shell. It, it's a good it's a good dessert. There's uh, cannolis are having a little bit of a moment around town. I know Justin's got one on the menu at Theodore Rex. So it's an interesting, it's, it's an interesting time. And I, you know, obviously Chris is a, Chris is a pretty famous, 
Chris Costantino is pretty famous. He won a season of Top Chef Masters. He's been on TV quite a bit. So this place comes with high expectations, but I think uh, at least based on a, an initial visit, it's it's off to a strong start. Yeah, I think they're going to be doing uh, lunch soon. Uh, uh, just, lunch starts this week. I saw yep. on Sausage's Instagram that they're starting lunch. So. Yep. So, so power lunch know. spot, power lunch spot for downtown office workers, fun happy hour spot, especially in the lobby bar, and then a uh, a fun uh, a fun dinner spot, like not not super dressed up necessarily, but just like good, like a stepped up version of kind of classic Italian American food. So that'll be good. Uh, Linda, what do you have? Uh, what's going on at Needfus? Uh We've actually, we've got a cool happy hour series coming in November. Um, we're going to be doing uh, a couple of uh, tequila tastings, Carmen Virial from a, from a, a really cool um, tequila uh, brands, so it's San Matias and a couple of other things uh, coming through and tasting some really cool mezcal. Um, we also are going to do a chef series. Uh, I know we're working on a Felix Flores dinner. Um, we were actually going to have it this week, but the World Ghost Series, Ghost the World Ghost Series, scuttled your plans. Yeah, All right. yeah, yeah. yeah. So. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. All right. And I will be back with Martin Weaver and Andrew Alvis. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? I'm joined this week by three men behind Grinders Coffee Bar, Chef Martin Weaver. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you. Andrew Alvis, welcome. Thank you so much. Good to be here. And Addison Alvis, how are you? Good. How about yourself? I'm great. Thanks for doing this. Martin, let me let me start with you cuz you're the one I know best. Go figure. I met you at I met you back in the day at Coo. You did. Then I started you, up Coo. Then you went to uh, Brennan's. That idea was there for about two and a half years as the exec sous chef. And then you and Andrew partnered up. It, well, it was supposed to be Salad Head, right? So originally when I left uh, Brennan's, me and Andrew had an idea to bring Salad Head to that location, yes. And that was one of the whole reasons I actually left Brennan's is because we had signed the lease on this location and we were going to get everything going. I was going to uh, break away from Brennan's so I could have time to focus on Salad Head. But then we just had a couple of parking issues and things just didn't work out for the location. All right. So then, Andrew, tell me a little bit about how you decided you pivoted from salad to coffee. Yeah, so um, in the meantime, um, I'm, I do a lot of commercial real estate um, and started seeing this, you know, the hint bell got passed here in Texas and started seeing um, kind of this influx of CBD um, and the opportunity with it. Um, and me and my cousin Addison um, just actually opened up a shop out in Tomball. Um, and this was during our, you know, while me and Martin were trying to get Salad Head up and running. Um, and, you know, West U just, Threw us for quite a few loops with our, our variances on parking and, you know, the site not being up to code. And our shop started doing so good out there um, that we kind of took the space and looked at it and uh, saw a good opportunity to do kind of a CBD coffee shop. Um, you know, we've seen these popping up in New York and West Coast and uh, really wanted to be one of the first ones here in Houston to, to do kind of a, you know, your more higher end, um, high quality food, coffee, CBD uh, and that whole thing. So, all right, Addison, when you walked in here, they introduced you as the CBD guy. Yes, sir. <laughs> I think 
I, I mean, it. Mm. I don't. Well, I don't know that I need to explain what CBD is because it's it's become it's become kind of everywhere. But but give us like the the sixty second version of. So, you know, it's pretty much broken down into like two categories. You know, you have your mood enhancement features, which are going to help with anxiety, anti-stress, calm you down, help help your mood a little bit, help your days easier, all those little stresses go away. And then the other half of it would be essentially inflammation properties. Um, so, you know, if you have arthritis, carpal tunnel, um, even IBS, Crohn's disease um, are helping as well. All types of anti-inflammatory issues. Um, it's essentially nature's strongest anti-inflammatory. All right, so it comes from hemp, mm-hmm. right? But it's it's different than THC. It doesn't have the yeah. So both of them are properties. are uh, going to be active compounds found in the cannabis plant. Um, the difference between marijuana and hemp is going to be the THC levels. Um, so all hemp is less than 03 percent THC, and THC is what carries that uh, psychoactive properties that people are familiar with. That high, if you will, um, is from the THC. So the CBD it has none of those effects. Um, it's just very therapeutic. Okay, because there's a pretty vigorous debate online about whether CBD actually like that. People report like a feeling of wellness, right? Like mm-hmm. a calming sensation. There's a little bit of a debate about whether that's psychosomatic or whether the CBD actually does anything. You know, and and a lot of people are skeptical of that. Uh, a big thing personally for me is uh, I've seen what it does in animals. Um, you know, animals don't suffer from the placebo effect like humans do. Um, so, you know, when you give a dog or even a horse is where it really got started from is using it on horses. Uh, they get really bad joint issues later in life. Um, you can't you can't fake that on an animal. If an animal is you give it a medicine and it's seeing the difference, you can just see it running instead of limping or wincing in pain. Um, there's really no faking that. Uh, so you know that's sort of where I go usually on people that are having that debate is uh, if it's, is it just you know a placebo head game or if it's the real deal. And and honestly, CBD it's it's the real deal. It's a very strong medicine. I mean, a friend of mine said. He finds the CBD is a little more effective when he combines it with a little THC. Yeah, uh, you know, they, they all work together. Um, a big thing is to, you know, full spectrum products, which are going to be products that have a little bit of THC up to the legal amount, along with a lot of terpenes found in the plant naturally. Um, those have stronger effects. Uh, they all work together to create um, an effect in our body and trigger our endocannabinoid system that we have inside of us. Um, and then you'll see like CBD isolate products, which are going to be strictly CBD, nothing else they don't work quite as well. Um, and that's because everything does work together. It's, it's called the entourage effect. All right. So what are you serving at Grinders? Uh, we serve full spectrum and isolate. Um, we like to keep the isolate for people that are worried about drug tests. Um, you know, if they have a job or something where they're worried about failing, um, full spectrum products should never make you fail, but it's not worth losing your job over. If you want that peace of mind, we do offer those isolate products that give you the strictly CBD with nothing else. Uh, but we do carry full, full, full spectrum lines as well. And that is our recommended product because it does work so much better. All right. And then Martin, let me swing this back to you. Go right ahead. How are you serving CBD to people at Grinders? So we have two different ways. Well, we have a local pastry chef that is incorporating CBD into like the cookies. We have a little Rice Krispie treat and we have a brownie that already has CBD incorporated. But then let's say you come in and you want a coffee. We are an actual coffee bar. We have a new coffee director we just brought on and none of the coffees actually have CBD or CBD in the coffee. You actually have to order that on the side. And so the way it works is you buy your coffee and then we have different honey sticks. We have the isolates. And you can actually just add that into your coffee once you receive it. Okay. And then what are you doing for 
food because I know I mean I mean of course anyone... I'm running a food program. Well, yeah, that's that's kind of your whole mm-hmm. thing. For sure. Uh, so none of the sandwiches. So I have sandwiches, salads, little side salads. None of those products actually have the CBD in it. But if you want, you can buy the honey stick for, let's say, if you get a fruit cup or a parfait. Or if you want the salad, you just buy the little oil isolate. And just with the vinaigrette, you would put that on like any other type of olive oil or something and toss it in with your salad. So what does it taste like? So CBD to me, it has a little bit of... It's almost like it's almost odie to me. You don't really get a lot of flavor out of it, but it's like it's plant-like. It tastes odie to me, and that's something that you're going to notice. If you have it with the honey stick, you don't notice any flavor at all. The only time you notice it is when you get like the isolate. But if you pair it with like a basil pesto or any strong herb, you don't even notice it. Andrew, let me let me come back to you. You're the you're the real estate guy. So how's it from a business perspective? How's How's it going so far? How's, how's Grinders doing? It's doing great. Every day gets better and better. Uh, this past Saturday was actually our best day to date. So um, week by week, you know, sales are going up. I, I, I think it's, it's such a new, cool, fun, fresh concept. Um, it really um, kind of triggers our, our millennial generation of, of people trying to kind of step outside the box and look for something different. Um, and, you know, we wanted this place to be really high quality. You know, it's... Right now, people are buying CBD. They're going into smoke shops or, you know, head shops or whatnot, um, and they just don't feel comfortable with it. They feel like they're doing something wrong or um, it's just kind of they don't get that right vibe. So we wanted something that was kind of airy, open. Um, You know, we have kind of a boho chic vibe in there. Um, And then, you know, kind of our CBD side gets kind of a little bit more underground and um, but but very inviting. Um, Lots of knowledge in the shop. but it's uh, it's going great. I mean, it's it's been uh, it's been pretty interesting to watch the industry grow and, and the way people are um, kind of you know really starting to like it. Yeah. So, what's your? I mean, who are your customers? I mean, you said it, it's appealing to millennials. Is that is that kind of where the bulk of the, yeah. the patrons are coming from? Well, you know, on the CBD side, no. I mean, I would say the people that are really needing this oils and the creams and lotions um, are kind of your middle age, you know, 40 plus, um, people that have arthritis or joint pain, um, a lot of back pain, uh, inflammation and, and certain other uh, diseases. You know, we see a lot of people that come into these shops that are, um, have terminal Ill- illnesses, uh, cancer. I mean, really, really tough situations they're living with. Um, and a lot of these people are just trying to find something to get them off these pain medicines and uh, things that just, you know, keep them stuck to the couch at home. Um, and it's, it's really been a rewarding feeling starting to see these people come in and really being, being able to help them um, and kind of guide them through uh, this whole CBD process. All right, Addison, let me swing back to you. For people who maybe haven't tried CBD yet, kind of what do you – how do you guide them in? Like what do you, what do you suggest people start with? You know, um, I sort of like to start with asking them what they're looking to get out of it. You know, some people come in, they're looking for arthritis relief, joint relief, muscle pain, back pain, et cetera. Um, you know, and then a sort of the other half, like I mentioned, is people coming in with anxiety issues, stress issues. Um, so, you know, there's a different products for each for, for joint and muscle. Um, you really want the topicals or an ingestible oil. Um, for anxiety, you really want a smokable product. Um, all the smokable products, they, they kick in so fast. Someone that's having an anxiety or a panic attack they can smoke that and immediately within 10 seconds or so feel the effects of it. Um, So for someone who's having a breakdown, it's the best option. 
for that. So, so that's usually like a vape pen, I guess? Yeah, vape pen or the smokable flower. Like I, we brought in some for you today of that flower. Um, so that's going to be our hemp flower that has less than 0.3% THC. Give it um, a width. That one is going to have about 16% CBD in there as well. Um, and that would be the best product, most straightforward natural product. All right. So, so not to uh, not to revel in my own my own ignorance. I'm not. I've never been like a, a drug guy. I've always been like an alcohol guy. Mm-hmm. But would I like? Would I like put this in a bong? Like, yeah, would yeah, I? You, you could use a, you know like a water pipe. You could you could roll a joint or you know a, a wrap. Anything you'd like. Um, most people prefer to roll it up into like a zigzag or you know a raw paper. Okay. <laughs> um, Martin, let me let me come back to you. Um, talk. I, I know you said you're doing sandwiches and salads and stuff, but you've always been kind of a a farm to table guy. I mean, I see you at the farmers market all the time. I, I mean, is is what you're serving at Grinders with a consistent with the quality of the stuff that you've you've worked with at Coo and at Brennan's? Uh, for sure. I'm really I really am working on bringing in as fresh as product as I can. Anything that I'm serving that has my name on it, I don't want to serve crap into anyone, especially because you go eat at Grinders, people, they know that I'm serving the food. So, of course, I'm going to serve the same quality as what I used to serve at Koo. Now, the difference is right now I'm working on designing a menu to where it's a better quality of grab-and-go or pardon me, grab-and-go options. So a lot of the clientele that we're getting at the coffee shop, they're coming in, they're getting their coffee, and they're wanting to head out. And so I'm really working on a menu line that really um, – Gear, is that is geared toward those grab-and-go options. And then, of course, I have a little cooler where I'm doing, like, fresh salads. I'm using the Sustainable Harvest lettuce, which is a live lettuce. I'm using fresh vegetables, making all of the sauces in-house. Everything's made in-house. Yeah, so let me ask you about Sustainable Harvest. I mean, do you, Andrew, do you still see a future for Salad Head in a different location? We'd love to, absolutely. Um you know, we're, it's actually how me and Martin met was through Sustainable Harvesters and him buying my lettuce. And, um, you know, so we, we grow all aquaponically grown lettuce using fish to not naturally fertilize it. No chemicals, no pesticides. And, um, you know, what I loved about Martin was he was that guy that would always come and look for, you know, the most difficult to find products, I guess. You know, asking me if he could come to the farm and forage for mushrooms or flowers or uh, what some people may call weeds is is what Martin loves to dandelion to, everyone <laughs> to, to put on his plate. So um, we do. We, we definitely see a future for it. Um, you know the way this business uh, grinders is growing so quickly. Um, we're really excited for it. We have people that are already interested in you know getting us in you know location number two or investing in the next site. So um, you know we're we're working on you know get still getting the operations down and and uh, getting our um, everything, you know, set up how we want it, and, and hopefully we can grow this and, and start Salad Head here in the future. All right, so so do you have a vision for maybe how many how many grinders you would like to see around town? Oh, man, that's a tough one. I'd, I'd love to see 10, 15, 20. Um, you know, I think our next location, we, we are, are looking maybe in the Heights. Um, we have one, a group on Washington that's very interested in put, putting us there. Um, but it, you know, we're, we're seeing, a, you know, a lot of people in the suburbs as well. Um, not necessarily here in the town, but, um, you know, where, where there's a high concentration of families and, um, you know, middle to upper or forties, fifties or, or so. So, um, yeah, all, all over. I mean, we're just, uh, we're, we're feeling it out. You know, we got to get everything, our operations under control and, and then we'll, we'll start that search. 
there's not like there's not like protest from I I just think it's so funny that the West U people gave you pushback on on salad <laughs> oh, and in exchange they got yeah. they got <laughs> CBD. You know, we we worked with the city for months. I mean, we were at every city council meeting for I think three different months. And, oh yeah. Um, you know, the whole issue came. The site was grandfathered in. It's a really old building. The parking ratios weren't up to code. Um, but since it was grandfathered in, it was okay. But since we were changing the use from a retail to sit down, we needed more parking. Um, eventually did get our variance passed. But during that time, we thought that this new concept would be something fun and cool. And, um, you know, hate, hated to do it to them. But we're, uh, we're excited to be there. We're having a great response from the neighborhood. and Well, and as it turns out... Sweet Green opened right down the street from they you. Did, so they that, did. That would have so that would have been it tough. Would, uh, it would have been some competition for sure. Yeah. So um, we'd have been, you know, eating up that local local food vibe, I guess. Yeah. If, uh, at our place, uh, Aston. I mean, I, I obviously you're you're selling this. Is there like a any sort of regulatory concern? I mean, uh, you know, I, I know Texas changed some of the laws related to hemp uh, in the last legislative session. Yeah. So in the last session, they uh, essentially. It was legalized federally, but they statewide legalized it. Um, there was a lot of confusion with you know local PD on uh, what was legal, what wasn't legal, and if they were going to abide by the federal hemp bill that got passed in 2016 or not. But in the last legisla- legislation, they did pass that bill. Um, they passed it where you can actually start cultivating hemp in Texas now as well. Um, the city is not, or the state's not writing any licenses as of now for that, but uh, we're hoping that eventually they will be, and that will help uh, increase regulations. If you're getting local hemp that's grown here um, at a state level, we can do our own testing on it and then sell that product as like locally grown hemp instead of being imported from Oregon or Colorado. All right, so Andrew, is that the and, next? And Eric, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> you better believe we're one of the top ones on that list right now. Yes, so we, we think next spring we'll, we'll probably, probably be able, the regulations will be in place to farmers to be able to start growing hemp, and um, we are actively pursuing that and uh, should hopefully have it next spring. So um, that being said, our, our whole greenhouse, you know, we're in about 20,000 square feet of greenhouse right now growing lettuce, so that could change into hemp shortly, but... Um, <laughs> where you know, where we'll where can people find? I mean, you guys are at the farmers market, right? And Urban Harvest. Yeah, we are. Uh, Sustainable Harvesters is uh-huh, and every uh, week. And where else? Uh, like, uh, who are some of your restaurant clients? We're doing the Heights Morning Market. Um, you know, we mainly sell through distributors now. Um, it's it's uh, really goes all over Houston. Um, it's it's hard to tell what restaurants are serving it and what who who isn't, um, but. Um, it's it's a uh, it's it's been pretty good, you know. Chefs produce, brothers produce. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's I I I feel like I read about this a long time ago, but it's it's grown hydroponically, right? So yeah, it's, so it's it's uh, very similar to hydroponics. So it's grown aquaponically, um, and the difference between hydroponics is uh, and aquaponics is that it's aquaponics is a mix between aquaculture and hydroponics. Um, versus just hydroponics, which is plants growing in, in water. Um, so we actually raise freshwater tilapia. Uh, the tilapia waste goes through a filtration process, breaks down into the good nutrients for the plants. Those plants then clean all those nutrients out of the water, um, and then the water goes right back into the fish tank as clean water. Um, so it's a closed-loop recirculating system. We use 90% less water than traditional farming, um, and we're able to grow about 10 times the amount of produce in the same square foot. Um, of space. So 
Um, it's a very, very efficient system. Um, you're basically balancing an ecosystem, but uh, the benefit is you are no chemicals, no pesticides. Um, we use fish to, to fertilize everything. Okay. Martin, what's the, what's the one thing that people should order the first time they go to Grinders? One thing they should order. Well, you're putting me up against all my menu items I created. That's a tough one. Who's your favorite child? <laughs> Obviously no, the uh, oldest. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, honestly, when someone comes around, I'd really like for them to try my waffle sandwich I put out. That thing is banging right now. It looks I really had nice. It this morning for the first time, and it was, <laughs> it was pretty bomb. What comes on the waffle sandwich? So basically I'm doing like a homemade waffle in-house. I'm putting baby Swiss cheese, honey ham, and then a fried egg. So it's one of those things. It's so simple, yet it's so flavorful. And then for the spread, I'm doing basically a maple uh, Philly cream cheese spread. And it's one of those, for me, I love things that are simple, but yet they're so flavorful. I like it. All right. Well, gentlemen, I have to say that brings me to the end of my questions, unless there's some <laughs> aspect of grinders that, that we need to, that, that you feel like I've neglected to ask you about. Not necessarily. Come out and try it. Um, you know, get a, get a coffee, get some CBD. It's all small batch coffee, great local foods, uh, really cool new concept, great patio, good music. Uh, hopefully be serving beer and wine soon. So um, come check us out. Appreciate right. the time, Eric. We're well, serving yeah. Amaya beans and Zayla. Shayla. Oh, okay. Shayla. 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 I know. I get it wrong all the time. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I always wrap these interviews up with something I call the lightning round. Five easy questions, five short answers, a, a lightning way oh three round. I'm not sure we've ever done this on the show before, but uh, oh God, here Addison, go. let, me, let me start with you. What's your, what's your favorite ingredient? Of anything? Yeah. Like what's, your, what's your favorite thing to eat? Garlic would be my favorite ingredient. I <laughs> uh, just like the savoriness of it, and I think it pretty much goes in everything but desserts. Andrew, how about you? Oh, Lee, man, that's a tough one. I, I got to go steak. I'm a steak guy. Martin, how about you? Shallot. Solid. That's a solid chef answer. Martin, what's the <laughs> what's the uh, first band you ever saw in concert? I've uh, never oh, you know what? Actually in sync. <laughs> Andrew <laughs> My sister. Andrew, how about that's not our my, first my, mine's, mine's not like mine's show. not much better. Andrew, how about you? Oh my gosh. I, I lost profits, I think. My chemical romance. That's a solid no, that's that's somewhat solid sixth grade you yeah know, emo yeah, yeah, living it up all right addison <laughs> the astros are in the playoffs so who's your your favorite houston sports figure past or present past or present um i still think it just have to be jj watt i really like what he stands for and all the charities that he's running here in houston andrew how about you who um man i've always i grew up being a bagwell fan so i've i've always really liked Yep. Good old Jeff Baggy. Absolutely. Martin? Same thing. Jeff Bagwell. Childhood memories right there. All right. And then uh, when you uh, – what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. Fast food guilty pleasure? I'd have to say McDonald's dollar menu. Oh, jack-in-the-box tacos, man. <laughs> Get I'm, I'm with Martin on the McDonald's, a McDouble and a Double meat chicken. cheeseburger. <laughs> man. All right. And then finally, Addison, when you go to a pizzeria for the first time – what is your go-to pizza order? Double pepperoni. Andrew? Meat, meat lovers. Same here. All the meats. Meat lovers. All right, gentlemen, give us, uh, Andrew, give us the, the website and the Instagram and all that for Grinders Coffee Bar. Um, Grinders Coffee Bar, htx.com. Uh, come check us out. Same as Insta- or Instagram is Grinders Coffee Bar. Um, and then the CBD Apothecary. 
uh, is our Instagram for, for that shop and uh, the CBD Apothecary HTX.com. They're, they're both linked, so you can catch us at both of them. Kirby Drive and Sunset, right? Cur- Hard Corner, Kirby and Sunset. Can't miss us. All right. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Absolutely. Thanks for having Appreciate us. It. Thanks for having us, All for right. sure. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.